Take your Bible and join me today, if you would, in the book of Genesis, chapter number 15. The book of Genesis, chapter number 15. And uh, we will preach for a time. It's, uh, the clock says it's uh, a little after 11. Two more minutes, it'll be a whole lot after 11, so... I must hurry because I know that we cannot afford a recorder. So we've got to be on time for the kickoff, I'm sure. Let me please give you three words quickly out of the text. Genesis chapter number 15, after these things. Pointing back to what? transpired in chapter number 14. Last week we studied about Abraham, the man of faith. The Bible said that he believed God and believed in God and God accounted that for righteousness. After these things, after the four kings in the east and the five kings in the plain has joined in battle, and the four kings in the east have defeated all the kings of the plains of Sodom and Gomorrah, and have led off Lot, Abraham's nephew, and all of his goods. They spoiled the land like a scourge from the old country Babylon. They made their way through every king, every dynasty, every kingdom and completely uprooted, destroyed, enslaved, raped, and carried off all the captives. Abraham, on hearing the news, summons the 318 trained servants of his house and pursued after those four kings from the east that has completely destroyed, annihilated that country. And with 318 trained servants, Abraham pursues that army, overcomes that army, rescues a backslidden Christian by the name of Lot, and retained all the goods and has made his way back to home. On his way home, he stopped off in a well-known city of today, Jerusalem. There he becomes acquainted and meets with Melchizedek, the high priest of the Most High God. And out of appreciation for God's blessings on his endeavor, out of all the spoil that they took from the kings, Abraham did something that's absolutely unheard of in most Baptist churches. He gave a tithe to the high priest out of all the spoils that he had taken from the four kings. Lot now has returned to Sodom. Hard to get Sodom out of our system. 
hard to get the world out of our system. And Lot could not get Sodom out of his system. And even after in captivity and after enslavement, Lot goes back to Sodom. And Abraham goes home. The narration begins, and after these things, in chapter 15, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me? seeing all that I turned down from the king of Sodom. Seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is my heir. Abraham is 99 now. At the age of 75, God told Abraham he'd give him a seed. And from that seed would spring children and people to number the stars. 24 years have passed, and the man of faith is doubting God and said, Now, Lord, should we try plan B? Have you ever done that? What are you waiting for, God? I'm 99, and you know Sarah. She's 90. No seed, but Lord, I have a faithful steward in my house, a servant by the name of Eliezer. And Lord, if I die without a son, everything that you've given me is going to go to the state. So I guess it's time for you to adopt Eliezer. Since plan A is not working, since you have not come through with your word, since there's no seed, I guess, Lord, it's time for me to implement plan B. Lord, you haven't provided my need. I guess it's time for me to go to the bank and borrow the money. Lord, you haven't sent a good woman to church for me. I guess it's time for me to try the bar. Lord, think we ought to try plan B. Lord, don't you think I ought to help you a little bit? Lord, after all, I made straight A's in school. I'm a pretty good dude. Don't you think it's time for plan B? I know you've never come to that time in your life. 
Well, what's a preacher waiting on? The Lord. Well, plan B. Verse 4, And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir. We don't have a plan B, A.B. But he that shall come forth out of thy own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of the earth of Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? A man of faith with no faith. A man who's been saved by faith, but not enough faith to live by. A man who's going to heaven by faith, by grace, and yet trying to implement plan B. How shall I know? Verse 9, and he said unto him, Take me an heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. That's the solution. And he took unto him all these and divided them in, in the midst and laid one piece against another, one on one side. But the birds divided he not. When the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them 400 years. God's telling Abraham about the children of Israel going into Egypt and staying there 400 years. Verse 17, it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, Behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that pass between those pieces, those pieces of sacrifice, one on one side, the other half on the other. And between those, God passed through. In the Old Testament and in the Eastern economy, that was the ratification of a covenant. 
verse 18. And the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. Not a contract, a covenant. Saying unto thy seed, have I given, not will give, have given, this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river of Euphrates. That little portion of land that Israel now sits on is not near the amount of land God has given Israel. 300,000 square miles from the great river in Egypt on up to the river Euphrates, encompassing major part of all the land that the Arabs are living on today belongs to Israel, to Abraham's seed. And God made a covenant with Abraham, a pact, if you please, a promise, and ratify it by cutting of the covenant. Laying of one part of the sacrifice on one side, the other side, the other part of the sacrifice. The participants in the covenant would walk between those separated, divided, filleted pieces for the sacrifice. And as they walked through, the participants were saying, if I do not fulfill this promise, so let happen to me that has happened to these animals. Ratifying the seriousness and the finality and the eternalness of the covenant. God has made a covenant with Abraham. He first made it in chapter 12 when he called him out of the Ur of Chaldees. And he promised him that he'd give him a land, that he'd give him a seed, that he'd give him a, a, a kinfolk that would number the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. In chapter 13, he reminded Abraham of that covenant. It seems as though the people of God, those who are living by faith, need a constant reminder that God means what he says. We are often reminded that we're not in control. One trip to the doctor and we realize we're not in control. Can you say amen? One bad business experience reminds us we're not in control. We get over our head in debt and cannot pay attention and we're reminded we are not in control. 
One feat of nature, one win through Arlington, one win through Fort Worth, one tornado, one hurricane, one thunderstorm reminds us we are not in control. And God, over and over and over throughout the Word of God, reminds us we're not in control. But yet God is so good to us over and over and over throughout the Word of God. God reminds us who really is in control. This thing of living by faith is really confusing at times. You have faith to charge hell with a water pistol one day and not enough faith to trust God for a dollar the next. We have faith to go into debt, but not enough faith to tithe. We wonder why we're so broke we need a cosigner to pay cash when we're stealing money from God every week. Wondering why in the world we're walking under a curse. This thing of living by faith is confusing. It reminds me of the psychiatrist who made a visit to the California Mental Institution. And he asked a man in the institution, how did you get into this institution? The man says, well, it all started when I got married. And everything went downhill from there. I married a widow with a grown daughter who then became my stepdaughter. My dad come to visit us, fell in love with the lovely stepdaughter and married her so my stepdaughter was now my stepmother. Soon my wife had a son who was, of course, my daddy's brother-in-law since he had as the half-brother of my stepdaughter who is now, of course, my daddy's wife. This is almost depressing. So as I told you, when my stepdaughter married my daddy, she was at once my stepmother. Now since my new son is brother, to my stepmother, he also became my uncle. As you know, my wife is my stepmother since she is my stepmother's mother. Don't forget that my stepmother is my stepdaughter. Remember, remember too, that I am my wife's grandson. I mean, this thing living buffet is tough, man. But all, hold on just a minute. You see, since I'm married to my stepmother, I am not only my wife's grandson and her hubby, but I am also my grandfather. Now, can you understand how I got out of the world into this place? The preacher looked at the guy and said, Would you please move over? One day, you have faith to move mountains. 
or an argument with your wife and you don't have enough faith to work out, so let's get a divorce. Nobody ever said this thing of faith is living. Living by faith is easy. Reminds me of a man who picked up the phone and called an air conditioning company, probably Robert or somebody. Asked her to go by and light the furnace in his new house. The lady on the line said, we'll have no problem with that. We can do that. He said, no, no, you don't understand. I need to be there. She said, no, no, we have trained technicians. They know how to light a furnace. They know how to take care of things. He said, I know, but your man will go crazy trying to set the thermostat on the wall. The lady said, why? He said, that's just a dummy that my wife plays with. I've hid the real thermostat. Sometimes in this walk of faith, do you feel like somebody's hid your thermostat up and down, in and out, confused on every hand? Could I please say to you today, we who are walking by faith, are walking with a covenant-making and a covenant-keeping Heavenly Father. I want to talk to you for just a minute about a covenant with God. I told you in chapter 13, God reminds Abraham again. Then in the text in chapter 15, he reminds him again of that covenant. And then in Acts chapter 17, verses 1 through 8, And when Abram was 90 years old and 9, the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. You like that? Not a drugstore God. Not a God who works on fleas only, but also does business with elephants. I am the almighty God, Abraham. And the Bible said, Walk before me and be thou perfect, and I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. As for me, neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. In Genesis chapter number 26, God reminds Abraham's son of this covenant. 
in Genesis chapter number 28, God reminds Abraham's grandson of this covenant that God has made with Abraham. I have a word for you too, please. Are you awake? Could I have your attention just a minute? Could you find your place to the book of Galatians chapter number 3? And God has a word for you and for me. Just like he did Abraham. Reassuring Abraham. Reassuring Abraham. Insuring Isaac. Encouraging Jacob. And then in the book of Galatians chapter number 3. Do you have your place there? I'm going to be done. I haven't even got started, but I'm going to be done. Watch this. Watch this. A covenant keeping God. If you are saved, you are walking with a covenant keeping God. A God whose nature absolutely makes it impossible for him to lie. The Almighty God. Notice verse number 6. The Bible said in Galatians chapter 3, verse 6, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Chew on that a minute while I read you the next verse. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. Verse 14 that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that he might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Verse 29. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. God says to you today and says to me, I will prove to you I will keep my word and I will make that covenant the covenant of covenant. God, notice back in your text, this is wonderful. While Abraham slept, listen to me, while Abraham slept and the cutting offering was laying on the tables or on the ground, in verse number 17, the Bible says, watch this. 
And it came to pass that when the sun went down, while Abraham was sleeping, and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp, the significance of the presence of God passed between those pieces. This covenant does not depend upon Abraham because God is the one who walked through the sacrifice. And God says, I'll prove to you, Abraham, I'll keep my promise. God walks through and says, if I don't keep my promise, may the same thing happen to me that happened to these animals. Isn't it so significant that God so loved us that he gave, are you listening, his only begotten son to prove to us how much he really loves us. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. What a covenant. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never, never perish. Hey, Lord, what you doing walking up and down between those filleted pieces of animals? Just guaranteeing you. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. For my Father which gave them to me is greater than all. And no man can pluck them out of my hand. We're walking with a covenant, promise, keeping You say, well, I need reminding once in a while. Sixty-six books of reminding. I wish I had time, but I don't. I'm closing. But the basis of the covenant is found in chapter 15 of the book of Genesis. The basis of my salvation the basis of the promises of God in my life, the covenant that God has made with me and me with him is dependent upon, number one, who God is. Verse one. Verse one. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Are you glad of that? There are two little words you need to look at the front of that verse you need to get a hold of just for a minute. And those words are, fear not. Preacher, I don't fear anything. I know that. God said, I'm your shield. I, I, I protect you. you. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be afraid. God, I think, knew the human spirit is prone to fear. Research psychiatry books 
will tell you there are in excess to 3,000 fears in the human being. 3,000 things that we are afraid of. From photophobia, which is, you don't look good in pictures, to erectobutophobia, which is fear that peanut butter will stick to the roof of your mouth. To phobiophobia, which is fear of fears. What are you afraid of? Well, I'm just afraid that something's going to happen. Did you know that Napoleon, Julius Caesar, and... Alexander the Great had a tremendous fear of cats. The man who built the Eiffel Tower had a terrible fear of heights. Walt Disney, the daddy of Mickey Mouse, had a terrible fear of mice. I hate mice. I'd fight a bear with a switch, but I'll run from a mouse. If me and a woman's in the house, I'll be the first on top of the table. <laughs> Out of absolute self-preservation. Fear. Our Heavenly Father said, Abraham, listen to me. Children of God, you do not have to fear because I am thy shield an exceeding great reward. The covenant that I have with my Heavenly Father and He has with me is dependent upon who He is and what He can do. He took Abraham out on a starlit night and said, Abe, let me show you what I can do. Look up. Go ahead and count the stars, Abraham. Abraham said, I can't. God said, I'm the one who flung them into space. I'm the one that holds them up by the power of my might. And you're afraid? And you're walking in a covenant relationship with me? Fear not, Abraham. I am thy shield. I am going to make your seed as the stars of the sky. Abraham said, I don't have any children. God reassures him. He said, I'm the one. I'm the God who took you out of the earth of Chaldees and have brought you thus far. Our covenant is dependent upon who God is, what God does, I close, and what God says. God said anything to you? God said, I so love you that I gave the best I had that you might have eternal life. What does God say? What has God said? Have you ever 
said to God, Yeah, but. I know you promised me a son, but I'm 99, and I have no son. And have you seen my wife lately, he said? She's so far over the hill, she's forgot there is a hill. Abraham got news, I mean, Sarah got news and she giggled. If my wife were to tell me tonight that she's pregnant, I would not giggle. <laughs> that would be an understatement of what would happen in my life. But your relationship and the certainty of your relationship is dependent upon who God is, not who you are. And what God can do, not what you can do. You say, preacher, I'm broke. Your God is not. Your Heavenly Father is not. And all that our government can do, they will not bankrupt heaven. Amen. Can you say amen? And your dependence today is upon God and not upon you. And our covenant is dependent upon what God says. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Thy word is a lamp and a light unto my path. Thy word is settled forever and ever in heaven. What we have in Christ and our covenant relationship with God is dependent not on us, but on him. Who he is, what he can do, and what he says. And all of God's people said, it's kickoff time. Oh, that's not the not what, not what God said, is it? Uh, is anybody today got the heart to brag on God? For you rednecks, ain't God good. I learned something over the weekend where the term redneck came from. Got your attention. Didn't come from Mississippi. Came from Virginia and Kentucky and the coal mine. When the bosses of the coal mine began to mistreat, take advantage of the workers, a man in West Virginia formed a marching army of a thousand plus men. And they made their march south through Virginia down to confront the bosses, the National Guard, and the U.S. government. One in fair shape for those who worked in the coal mines. And to identify the army, they tied red handkerchiefs around their neck. Identifying them that we won't pay for work. Redneck. 
You're welcome. Glad you learned something today. If you look through the Word of God, you'll find something read through the Word of God. You'll see something red identifying the army and the soldiers of God. It's not a red handkerchief. It's the blood of a lamb without spot and without blemish. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood.